The Hornets suffer another embarrassing loss, and this time this game meant a lot going towards a possible play-in spot. We also have Wes Bryant joining us to talk about Terry Rozier, saucy comments at the end after the game. We'll talk about all that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We Locked On Hornets for part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, and today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. Thanks for making us your first listen anywhere you get your pods. Also, make sure you check us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH, and Locked On Hornets. Those are all the handles. Doug, yesterday was terrible for the Charlotte Hornets. And really it was the first half that did them in offensively looked awful defensively giving up open shots, not getting back in transition turnovers were as egregious as we have seen them all year long. Allowing those were, those were G league level passes. I mean, just ugly. I just, it was really bad. If you're going to put together a quarter or a half and say, that's the worst the Hornets have looked. I think mm-hmm. the candidates are the third quarter against the Miami Heat. Right. I think there, I guess there's a couple of other games you can go to, but the Miami Heat eight-point quarter really stands out in my mind. And mm-hmm. even with them scoring 20 in the first, a lot more than eight, it felt dirtier. It felt harder to watch even in that first half altogether. But the first quarter, it was just, I mean, just made the things easy for the Brooklyn Nets, and they did not come out at all ready to play for this game. And this was a huge contest. This was huge against Brooklyn. It is embarrassing, Doug, you know, watching what they did yesterday. Yeah, the stakes could not have been more clear. Both teams were tied in the Eastern Conference standings. This was really a chance for the Hornets to put a stake down on the ground. They had beaten uh, Cleveland. They had gotten the win over San Antonio, gotten two wins in a row, sort of made up for that Detroit loss in my mind. And this was really a chance to say, all right, now we are ready to really focus up in this stretch run and get ready to not only position ourselves in the play-in, you know, possibly in an ideal scenario, get to the playoffs. But even if you position yourself in the play in and get ready to win that play in game, and this was a failure in every sense of the word um, from from the tip. And that's something we've seen all season. If you haven't been paying attention until now, the trend this season is the Hornets don't get ready to play some of these big games. They fail another test and they do it miserably sometimes even the small games they just don't come out ready to go and don't talk to me about the third quarter 41 points in the third quarter when they were starting to make their comeback i'm like i don't care i said this a couple of shows ago valiant effort season that ended months ago that's over it's winning effort season is the thing now and the hornets haven't been able to put that together in big games it's 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 dis- it's extremely disappointing because we know what they're capable of if we didn't know that they could beat a cleveland like they beat cleveland if they couldn't beat a brooklyn like they beat brooklyn earlier in the season this wouldn't be as disappointing but that's why it's disappointing we know the potential's there and terry rogier talked about how they play their best basketball down 20 <laughs> and then it's too late 
They can't dig themselves out of the hole after it's that. It's not a good thing. That is not a good thing to say. We and play he, our best he, basketball down 20. And he acknowledged that, by the way. I don't want to get it twisted. Terry was saying that frustrated that we can't play our best, the best basketball down 20. And one of the only thing he was frustrated about, Doug, he also had some interesting comments after the game. Maybe going to play you the two-part scenario here where Terry talks about. Well, he wishes, Yep. He wishes the young players actually knew what it was like to play in the postseason here from Terry himself. I just wish that every guy in that locker room knew how special the playoffs was because I feel like we have a sisters from the from the beginning. Just to just to be in that light. So playing it is special. And I can talk about that all the time, but if we don't get there then it don't mean nothing. But we have to take care of right now. And uh, I think we'll be fine though, but like I said, we just gotta play with that sister urgency you now. We gotta we got to play like losing is not an option. So, you know, we just got to pick that up and start tomorrow. All right. I want to play the other part of this, too. By the way, Terry Rozier speaking to the side, not exactly engaging because he is extremely frustrated. You could tell it really weighed on a Terry Rozier. Miles Bridges would speak afterwards. He had the same kind of effect. Here's some more from Terry. I don't want to, you know, try to bring up too much to play off, play off, play off because we, we, we need to worry about today. Tomorrow we wake up, we need to worry about tomorrow. We don't need to worry about so much down the line. But it, it helped just for, for guys to really understand how big it is to get there. And it's nothing like like when you in that playoff basketball. I'm sure I'm sure guys on our team, like when they when they see the playoffs, they see the difference on TV, like it's, it's special. So like I said, man, we just gotta take it day by day. I gotta be better in the locker room and just making sure guys understand that, you know, we need this, we need this win. So I gotta be one of them guys. Terry Rozier has been excellent after the all-star break. Yeah. He's been shooting lights out 10 of 19 in this game, five of 11 from three. He shot 50% the last two contests. I think he's shooting like 50% from the field and three point range since the all-star break, even rebounding pretty well. Terry hasn't been the problem. Certainly offensively, he's been bringing it and he actually had some really nice moves that are going to get overlooked because the effort was so embarrassing, man. What do you make like young players? He wishes they knew what it was like to play in the postseason because it is so special that they would come out with that sense of urgency and it's just not happening. Felt like those were pretty interesting comments from Terry. Well, you know, a great way to get playoff experience is to make the playoffs, <laughs> right? Or or win yeah. a play-in game. You know, they got True. embarrassed last season in that play-in game. Had they not, they would have come into this, if they were ready for that particular game, they would have some playoff experience. They probably would have gotten bounced in the first round, but they would have known what it felt like and could have taken that feeling into the next season. The other way you get playoff experience is by, uh, you know, in injecting that into your team via free agency or trade. And, you know, but I, I don't know that Isaiah Thomas is, is that kind of answer that I was really looking for to bring a guy in who has no. playoffs experience or, you know, really just like championship experience pedigree that could say to these guys, this is how this feels. And if you want that this is what it takes. The Hornets don't have that on the roster. And the other problem is because of some of these natural defects that we've talked about all season with the center position, defensively, some of these issues, it's hurting them and preventing them from winning some close games and, and, and some games that are pivotal to getting you to the play-in or into the playoffs. Yep. I mean, Terry talking about all of that, it is a shot. It's a shot at some of these players saying they don't come out with a harder sense of urgency. And I don't know if Terry Rozier doesn't seem to be, I'm not saying he needs to, he doesn't seem to be saying it's all in all of us, right? Like there's a lot of ways where people will come in after a game and say, 
it's on all of us to make sure that we're all doing our job here and there. And they kind of speak in code. Not too much code from Terry. Like Miles Bridges spoke a little bit maybe in that. Hey, we played selfish. We played like individuals today. We need to come together. And once we do, we're going to play a lot better. Terry didn't have a whole lot of that regarding himself. He was saying, I wish they knew what it was like because I've played in the postseason. By the way, this is no anger towards Terry. I understand because Terry's kind of been backing it up. I've had problems with Terry in the past discussing how they need to bring it on defense every single night because he was playing god-awful defense, Olay allowing dudes mm-hmm. to the rim. I don't think his problems on that end of the floor have been as egregious during this stretch as some of the other players on the floor on that, on that end particularly. And he's bringing it offensively. Here, Terry's saying, I wish they knew. And now the question comes about, like, what players are you talking about, Doug? Is it all the young players? Is it a couple of the key young players? Who's he talking about? Like that, that's the kind of thing that I'm interested in. And Wait, do I what, need to get the, do I need to get the speculation sound? No, ready or no, 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 no. I'm staying away from that. <laughs> not me. I ain't playing that. I ain't playing that game today. Well, I'm it's just pointless. Asking, it's here, pointless. I'm, I'm taking a page the thing out of the is, Branson book. I'm asking questions. Feel free right. to answer. You can always, you can always get away with it when you're just asking questions. Yeah. Is he talking about Miles Bridges? Is he talking about LaMelo Ball? I'm just asking those questions. I mean, did they, did they show that sense of urgency? I'm not sure. I'm just asking questions. Uh, Let's, so I'd really love to like shift into this game in particular because I thought they lost it in a very, in a very different way than they've started slowly in some of these games. A lot of these games, I feel like, you know, miss shots, start to hang your head and then you lapse on defense. Um, but but the energy, even in the games that they've started slow, I felt like the energy was there. They just missed some shots and then let that sort of snowball into bad defense. Not the case here. I just thought they came out from the tip, no energy, no ball movement. When they, when they have a lot of assists, they win basketball games. Like when they move the basketball, it's crazy. They don't lose basketball games when they move the ball. And uh, because they have players finally, after many seasons of not having these players, they have players who can pass the ball like one to five can move the basketball and they just chose not to do it in one of the most important games of the season. They chose to play selfishly. Yeah. Let's talk a little more about this game, how they lost it. I know you've been begging to fire off the takes on how they lost against Brooklyn and did so so poorly, especially in the first half. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Also, Wes Bryant on the horizon going to be with us in the last segment. All right, NBA fans, I know you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA. You need to try the award winning app prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. I know you will too. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's also safe and it offers fast withdrawals using the award-winning app on both the app store and Google play again. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans, and you can sign up today and use code NBA $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. How do the Hornets lose this game? We'll take a little bit more of a deep dive coming up next. Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but 
Is that, is they, that the they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night they didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on lockedonhornets.com. I'm not sure how much of the effort Terry Rozier was talking about. There is this sense of urgency thing that he's talking about right from the get-go, and it was clearly embarrassing last night against the Brooklyn Nets, how they started. I do think that it's a lot more even defensive effort. Like, I, I know lethargic, they, they look lethargic offensively for sure. They weren't hitting shots. But if you look at a young player like LaMelo, who is 20 years old and only in his second year, a shortened year by other standards, other players, right, because this was COVID, he's been playing in the pandemic, there are times like LaMelo running the pick and roll, hitting that floater. I thought he's running all around. I just think there are times where LaMelo is going off into a different space that he needs to be certainly defensively, but offensively the floater was working. I thought mm-hmm. there was the shot at least in the second half where he followed his missed three pointer, knew he was way off the mark, immediately recognizes it dives, gets the rebound and allows Kelly Oubre to score. Like that's one of my favorite parts of LaMelo's game. I tweeted this out last year against the Raptors where they're down five. It's like, all right, Raptors, you know, they're just going to dribble out the basketball. He steals it, shoots it 40 feet out, hits it. It's like, all right, now we got to play a little bit more. You know, LaMelo will give you frequent plays where he's just hustling and nobody else is. So it's not a lack of hustle from LaMelo. I don't think we're questioning LaMelo not playing hard all the time. It's just that there are times defensively where he and even Miles Bridges, I, I liked Miles Bridges intensity offensively. He was attacking a lot like he was giving it to Kevin Durant, gave him the elbow as an offensive foul. But hey, I'll take the aggression just defensively. There's so many lapses. And I wonder if that's the kind of thing, again, that is just eluding the Charlotte Hornets in order to win these games. And I know you kind of talked about that poor defense leading into open opportunities for uh, Brooklyn to score. Yeah, I think it's easy to look at the game and see how many points that the Brooklyn Nets scored, especially in the first half, 69 points in the first half, and say, well, yeah, obviously they they were lapsed. They were lack on, there was a lack of defensive intensity. And you were talking about offense. That's my fault. You were talking about bad offense execution leading right. to leading to open that's, breaks for Brooklyn and then yes. when it's just not getting back and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. that would be my big takeaway from the first half is they they scored 43 points because they were making some bad decisions with the pass. Um, I thought, you know, handed to Brooklyn, they came in with an idea of we are going to pay a lot of attention to LaMelo Ball, especially in the pick and roll. We're going to get hands in there. We're going to make it very difficult for him to really set up anything. He missed all three of his three-point shots. He was four of ten from the field for eight points. Um, and, you know, I thought that 43 number that they put up, 20 points in the first quarter, 23, was because they kept turning the basketball over. If you look at fast break points, Nets had 10 on the fast break, Hornets 4. Second chance points. We always talk about rebounding. That's been a focus for the Charlotte Hornets team. They're not they're not a big team, so they have to play with physicality on the boards. They give up five second chance points. That's 15 right there. I mean, that's a, that's a strong margin that you spot the Nets because you're constantly turning over the basketball because the offense was not ready to go. It was not ready from the tip to really play the kind of Hornets basketball offensively that we've seen from this team all year. And you pair that with LaMelo Ball going over three for three, Terry Rozier missing three threes. You had uh, P.J. Washington miss three threes and Miles Bridges miss three threes. So like 
Miles Bridges, four of eight from the field. Terry Rozier, four of eight from the field, but they're missing their three-point shots. And that's been the death knell of the Hornets' offense. If they're missing their threes, it's over. A lot. So you have to look at that first half. You have to zoom into that first half because if you look at the entire game because of that 41-point third-quarter right. outlier, it kind of looks like they did okay offensively, but they didn't when it mattered. Well, they scored 43 points in the first half altogether. They scored 20 in yeah. the first quarter. You're not going to win against Kevin Durant. I mean, it's here's bad. the thing, too. Kevin Don't Durant. Kevin Durant scored 14 points. He was not special. I, I've seen. <laughs> we forgot play. about Kyrie. I know. We we've seen we've seen. Uh, it at all. Yeah, I, I I've seen Kevin Durant uh, play live a few times and have been in awe watching him play. I was it last night. You know, 14 points, six of 13. Didn't do anything crazy special. Hit 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 a couple of shots that were pretty impressive. The bank fade away that he had driving to his left. That's the know. that's called that's called the luxury of playing with Kyrie Irving. I think I saw on Twitter like somebody missed a parlay because uh, it was like a six level parlay. I don't know how to bet, but it was like a six level parlay. And the, the first level was Kevin Durant over 25 points and the, they hit everything else and missed it. And Kevin Durant retweeted and was like, that's, I love making this kind of thing happen. I, I love the power that I have. <laughs> yeah. and I, of course, I think he's trolling there. He's not really sure. serious, but I think when you're playing with Kyrie and Kyrie's on the road, so he gets to play, uh, maybe there is a little bit more deference to him on the road and you, you know, you get to take a little bit of a night off. He was special. Crazy. 19 shots to score 50 points. I think it's the second least amount of field goal attempts for somebody that's reached a 50 burger. He was tied for the second least amount of field goal attempts. Absolutely bonkers. And some of the shots he missed, by the way, there was the one at the end of the shot clock he had to force up that almost went in too. And it was a really just high difficulty shot. What was, you know, Kyrie well, Irving's performance was amazing. Yeah, a couple of things on that. So his true shooting percentage, I believe, was above 101%. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. That's It's almost like it's not comprehensible that that could be a true shooting percentage number for a game. Uh, two things on the Kyrie bit. Uh, I thought the Hornets threw everything in the kitchen sink at try. I mean, they doubled him. They doubled Durant. Um, they, you know, the only thing I could see is like PJ Washington got caught on an island with him multiple but times. But hey, that like, time, that, that like last field goal that he made, PJ was in front of him the entire time. There's nothing but, uh, you else gotta PJ think can that do. You got right. But you got to think Kyrie likes his odds. In, oh, in sure. That situation. Oh, that that's, that's absolutely true. But then he has to hit a ridiculously tough shot right. because PJ doesn't allow him to go by him, which has yeah. been a theme. You know, PJ is just flat out guarding point guards on the reg right now and staying in front of them. It, it's yep. impressive. Here's the thing. No, I'm not. PJ's got to give me I'm more not, than two points. No, I, I'm right. with you. Like, I'm not cutting it. I'm not cutting it, PJ. I'm saying that, sure. you know, if that happens multiple times, you think that favors Brooklyn's odds and you think that favors Kyrie's odds. My big takeaway from the yep. Kyrie 50-point game is that that's what a superstar looks like. Okay, that's the bar. And I think it's good for everyone that is witnessing the ascension of LaMelo Ball, and he is ascending, um, that it's good to see that level of stardom. Now, LaMelo and Kyrie are two different kinds of players. Kyrie is a pure, ultimate scoring machine. LaMelo is, is going to do a little bit of scoring and a little bit of passing. But the dominance, the you're not going to stop me, that's the big takeaway. My, I, I have a question. Um, 
and, and I think it's a question that a lot of people have. And I'm asking this from the perspective of a casual fan that checks in on the Charlotte Hornets because they're playing Kevin Durant, they're playing Kyrie Irving. It's getting down to the you know play-in stakes, playoff stakes. They check in on the team. They look at the box score, even though it's, it was a blowout, and they say, all right, 30 points for Terry, 30 points for Miles, 24 uh, for LaMelo, had a lot of assists. Seems like a pretty good game. And then you look at the minutes, and he got the fourth most minutes on the team, almost under 30 minutes for the game, I believe, is uh, he finished a little bit above 30. Um, so I'm going to ask this from the pers- perspective. I'm going to ask you, Walker. I'm going to put you on the hot spot yeah, here. Thank the, you the hot for that. Seat. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm going to ask this from the perspective, not of a not of a LaMelo stan, whatever that means. I'm asking this from just a casual fan perspective. Yeah. What's the deal? Why is LaMelo Ball, who seems to be the all-star, the only all-star that Charlotte has, mm-hmm. why is he getting the fourth most minutes in this game? Well, we know that personal fouls have been a problem for him in the early going of games where he's going to sit and that's going to eat into the minutes. That happened at the very beginning of the season, and that's happened even up until that Cleveland game where J.B., decided that he was going to sit him for a while. Mm-hmm. I also think not in that, this game. So let's, let's no, make it no, in this game. No, I had one personal foul. Yeah, correct. So only one personal foul. I also think that LaMelo ball is making some mistakes and JB just wants to take him out. Like there were some really awful turnovers from LaMelo in this one. You know, there was two right back to back that almost happened. Maybe it did happen where he tries the full court pass. You know, that was after a turnover that led maybe even to the Kevin Durant layup where nobody else gets back to, right? Like nobody else got back on transition defense. Bruce Brown throws an alley-oop. It's not dunked. He has time to grab it and then dunk it and lay it in after that. So that was two plays in a row where there are just some simple mistakes. But this is all LaMelo growing too. And I feel like James Brego wants to play Terry Rozier at 37 minutes. P.J. Washington defensively is the only guy he's going to trust down low. So he's going to play him 37 minutes. Miles Bridges is somebody that you have to keep out there on the floor because he's the only one that's attacking. He's probably your best self-creator offensively, at least getting to the rim, getting to the rim, which is a shot James Brago highly values. That's all true. That's not to say that I agree with it. I'd rather see LaMelo play. I'm just telling you what I think James Brago is viewing. I think I'd rather see LaMelo play, but those are the reasons why I think JB is, you know, having him a tick below some of these other guys that are playing more minutes. I think in this particular game, you you are um, you are speculating correctly. Again, we're just speculating here, but this is experience speculation. Did you just play me to speculate? I'm going to put you on the I hot would, seat. I want you to. I, want, I care about you. I care about you. I want you to be careful. You are a radio professional. You have you have a you have a, you a sure? paycheck uh, that you have to protect, and I, I just want to help you out. But I think you're speculating correctly on the mindset in this particular game because. You know, Miles was turning it over just like LaMelo Ball, sometimes even worse. It led to some of these Bruce yeah. Brown open, you know, two-point layups that really killed them. The three-point – by the way, they made 18 three-pointers, but it was the two-point shot that killed them in the in the first half. Just want to get that out there. Lots um, of Bruce Brown just letting him hustle his way into 12, right. 14 points. Right, but Miles had the better overall, like, efficient offensive night. 30 points on 50, 58% field goal percentage and attacking – Whereas Lamelo Ball much less efficient, nine of twenty-two. Here's the thing that I, I wonder. I'm just asking questions here. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this is the thing that I wonder though, because you'll see uh, oftentimes in these games where Lamelo gets gets in the game, comes out and comes back in. He's taking a lot of shots, and maybe some of those shots aren't as efficient as others, and maybe some of them are ill-advised over defense or you know not not in the, in the best position. And I just wonder if like his his minutes have fluctuated a lot this season. 
And I just wonder if there's like a mentality from LaMelo of like, well, I'm in the game now. I don't know how much I'm getting back in the game later, so I might as well just get some shots up. Yeah. Um, whereas if LaMelo were under some kind of understanding that like this is my my role on the team is to really carry this team, be the minutes leader, and, and that that his style of play might slightly shift. I don't know. Well, and you know, even this last game against San Antonio, James Brego still talks about LaMelo as a learning, growing player and mm-hmm. does so pretty frequently. And that Not, game Well, that's the thing. There, there's the disconnect, right? There's the tension because I think sure. you're dead on. Fans, casual or um hardcore fans, view LaMelo as you know, some I think the reasonable ones see that there are areas that LaMelo can improve, but mo- mostly uh, a complete player. I would argue that LaMelo Ball sees himself as 100% a complete player. I think I think Borrego views LaMelo as a young project player, and that's where the tension is. The comment that made me say that was when he discussed at the end of that game, making smart decisions against the Spurs, hitting a couple of clutch free throws. James Borrego said... That was a really nice learning moment for LaMelo, and he grew tonight. You know, this was somewhere he improved tonight against San Antonio. That's not your veteran that you're talking about. That's not a like, hey, you know, this is what he does. We're so, so like, he's he's spoken about LaMelo in that regard. I don't want to get it too twisted, right? He's talked about how LaMelo is special, how this is mm-hmm. this is something you can't teach, his ability to read the basketball court, that you you don't find that in players. He gives them credit in that regard a lot. But he also talks about him like a a young, growing player. And I think that's why his minutes aren't as high as some of the other players that you might see, like a PJ who, you know, Pete, you just, you can't take PJ out because defensively. Well, he's got to play the five. So yeah, Montrez Harrell is, is, look, I have caped so hard for Montrez Harrell offensively. Defensively, it's it's just not good, man. He's really bad. It's a good, it's a good point to tell someone again that hasn't been paying close attention to what the Hornets have been doing this season. Like they look at PJ Washington and go, wait, LaMelo is obviously a better player than PJ Washington. Why is he not getting as many minutes of PJ? That that particular instance is just a, a factor of the of that they don't have a center and PJ is playing center. Well, he's yeah. playing center and forward minutes. Well and that and that's why look I do think that's it's a little bit weird to view it in that light. He played the fourth most minutes because if you were saying that Isaiah Thomas was out here getting minutes over LaMelo like he did against Cleveland and that was happening consistently, then it'd be mm-hmm. like WTF JB, you know, <laughs> those, well, what are you, what are you doing? And uh, here it's Terry Rozier getting 37. Who's going to be a backcourt player that gets a lot of minutes and Cody Martin, like Cody Martin only played 24. So he played six minutes left. I do know Cody played more minutes than LaMelo. I believe in this previous game against San Antonio that has happened before. And I understand people getting mad about that, but it's not like anybody is taking LaMelo's job away from him until you do have the personal foul stuff. And that's when you do go to an Isaiah Thomas for 14 fresh off signing. him. All of this sounds great. All of this sounds reasonable. All of this sounds thought out. I'll just say this, that if at the end of the season, the Hornets get bounced in the play-in or don't make the play-in at all, the choice is going to be very simple between LaMelo Ball's minutes as and it should James be. Borrego's viewpoint. Oh, oh, as it should be. Right. You, you do not 
you do, you do not get rid of a LaMelo ball. And even if you're not talking about getting rid of them, it has to be one or the other, right? Like it's clearly going to be LaMelo ball in every single decision. And it should be LaMelo. Look, JB in this one, like he talked about this. We don't have enough time to play the soundbite, but he also talked about, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving getting theirs and really just Kyrie Irving going for 50 but also the other guys having open shots. So Rod Boone asked him about the open three-pointers that guys were taking in this game because they did hit 18 of them, and it seemed like guys were you know just wide, nobody really close to them. Closeouts were bad. Jalen McDaniels comes mm-hmm. to mind, was not ready to come back and play this game. Um, yeah, at least was not very good. Either way, JB's like, look, we're going to have to rotate. We're going to have to give up open shots because we're not going to go one-on-one against KD and Kyrie. And he was getting kind of frustrated with the questions Rod Boone was asking him. So then Rod asked him again. He's like, offensively, we just got to be better. You know, we move on. Bam. That was it for the second one. Here's my thing, though. I've always been more of a fan of stopping, flat-out stopping everybody else from scoring because you know the Stars are going to get theirs. You know, JB mentioned in this game afterwards, we threw everything we could at Kyrie. And he goes for 50 on 19 shots. Like, you're, if you threw everything you could at Kyrie, just play him one-on-one. Don't let Bruce Brown get 12 like that. Don't let Andre Drummond roll to the basket free. Stop everybody else because you ain't stopping Katie and Kyrie. And if you want a real problem that I had, that, that's the kind of game plan. And James Bragg was getting mad. Well, look, we're not going to go one-on-one. I know it sounds crazy a little bit on the surface, but at the same time, you just told us, we threw everything at Kyrie and he got 50 on 19 shots. Like, you know, it wasn't there. Stop everybody else. So you didn't get beat by Bruce Brown. That's the thing to do. Well, answers have been few and far between this season. When And, and that's been, I think, the most frustrating part for fans watching closely is that they've seen a lot of questions. You know, we've asked a lot of questions on this show, um, but we haven't gotten a lot of answers from the franchise. And uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's all going to be results based, and if if they fail to make, you know, to get through the play in and make the playoffs, I think some serious questions need to be answered about personnel and about uh, staffing. Yeah. All right. This is a long podcast. We appreciate you sticking with us. We've Big got game. Wes Bryant coming up. Got <laughs> it is. It is. It is. We got Wes Bryant. Hope coming we answered up. some questions and asked some questions. Oh, we definitely asked some questions. We will do that. I don't know how many answers we're going to give you, but we are <laughs> always going to ask some questions. Doug is leaving us that it's going to be Wes Bryant coming up next. Now, before we talk about Bill Barr, because it's the time of year where a lot of people give up on the New Year's resolutions. Don't do that. Instead, go to build.com and get you a box of built bars. It doesn't matter what flavor because they're all so good. Good. You can get the limited time flavors. You can get the staples. You can get the puffs that are so light. They're marshmallowy. And what's great is that they're covered in 100% chocolate, but they're also high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, and low in sugar. So good. Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Wes Bryant coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You, know, you give them the pink to let them know you have the a little bit of a softer side, but you give them the black to let them know it's still real out here. Don't run <laughs> them, okay? I just got to let you know it's still real. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Doug had to leave us off doing, I guess, more important stuff. So once again, he's going to leave me and Wes just to ourselves to talk about this game. But always appreciate Wes hopping on. Find him on Twitter, the gram, anywhere, at Wes Got Range, because he's doing a lot of stuff. We're about to dive into that here in just a moment. Wes, appreciate the time, man. How are you? Hey, man, you already know it. West Wednesdays back when my locked on, guys. We locked right. on. Let's lock in. Yeah. We got, I wish Hornets would do the same damn thing, man. <laughs> they did yeah. not lock in right from the mm-hmm. get-go last night, but they did later. So much so that Terry Rozier would say, you know, angry, frustrated, looking away from the microphone, talking to the media. We play our best basketball when we're down 20, and that don't need to happen. Like, he's right. You know, this is a team that has all the fake comebacks. They... They tried. I think they got it to within like 13, maybe yeah. in the fourth. I think mm-hmm. that was the closest it got, but I guess no small feat considering it was a 30-point game. I thought it was going to get like 45-point ugly when the Nets came out at the beginning of the third and started to knock down shots. I was like, all right, this is going to be like, this is going to be just a devastating loss as far as the the point of uh, the margin of victory goes. Yeah. Either way, you know, Wes, awful start for this Charlotte Hornets team and they got to figure it out and it led this uh, Terry Rozier to also say he wished the young guys knew what it was like to play in the playoffs because it is completely different and you have to take care of the now I hope the veterans message comes through because they can't get off the starts like that and they've been doing it all season long yeah it's it's been an ongoing thing with the Hornets and as I've said on broadcast it's like they don't believe a team is good until they get hit in the mouth a couple of times. And then they're like, oh, wow, this team can play, but they're down 20. And so it's just mind-boggling to think about what pro athletes, how you think, do you not know, like you see things that go wrong that cause you to lose multiple times and you just don't say to yourself, okay, we need to fix this. We're going to make sure we do this. But with this Hornets team, it's been the same story over and over again. And this was a, a next game. I, I said at post game, I said, this was not a loss. Uh, that we should have taken this was a bad loss because um as you said the margin of victory this was not a nets team that was coming in the number one team in the league crushing everybody like people thought and 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 the the finals favorite this was a nets team that came in here struggling big time they were two and two uh you know i believe in their last four uh road games if i'm not mistaken or something along those lines well they were like i think three and 17 in their last 20 games like if you just want to talk about them not playing well you really don't need a recent stretch you can just go to a stretch that's been taking place for a while now yeah and and this was a team that i thought that in the second half uh that the hornets made just be able to make a run because the nets were so bad on defense the hornets were such a good second half team and so the, the Nets were in the bottom tier of the league as far uh, as defensive rating coming into this ball game, and so that they played in the last month. And so it, it, it was just mind-boggling to come out in the margin of victory. Like I said, Kyrie Irving comes out and does what he does. And, you know, there's no – I guess there's no fault in that, giving up 50 to a guy like Kyrie. He's hard to deal with, especially on the night when KD only gets 14. But then when you talk about – uh, you know, giving up 20 and 14 to Andre Drummond and yeah. and some of the role players that made key plays at key times that just really hurt the Hornets. And it was like every time they would make a comeback, there was a, a, a Mr. Simon on defense here, a turnover there, bad shot there that just kind of took them right back to square one. And so hopefully tonight, you know, I always like if a pro team, they get embarrassed the night before, I always kind of like – them coming into a game. So hopefully they they look at last night. But there's a sense of urgency that needs to be there for this team because every night your positioning could switch 
uh, as far as in the standings. But if you lose, you know, you go on a losing streak and lose three, four in a row, you could certainly be on the outside looking in. Uh, absolutely. You know, Wes, what, what do you take to mean of that Terry Rozier message? You know, it, do you view it as any kind of shot, any welcomed shot like to the younger players on this squad like what do you mean what do you make uh, of the things that Terry Rozier said after the game saying yeah this I just wish these guys knew what it was like to play in the playoffs I wish they knew that they they knew they have to take care of it now in order to play some postseason basketball yeah I think it's very much what needed to be heard in that locker room this is a veteran guy guy that's that, that's you know a lot in this league and so I think he gets kind of frustrated because he's coming out from the jump, attacking it, and coming out with a sense of urgency that's needed. And even JB has talked about how this team during this season, if they don't, if certain guys, you know, or the team as a whole miss their first couple of shots and not shooting that great early in the game, it tends to carry over into their defense. And guys, you know, it's just unbelievable. You play a 48-minute game. And, you know, guys miss a couple of shots early and they're not paying attention, going yeah. in the tank on defense, giving up easy shots, not rotating how they need to look. And then when you talk about a team that plays with the pace that the Hornets do, guys come down, they start pressing, firing up bad shots early on in the shot clock. And then the other team gets on a run and then it's eight. And then the next thing you look up is 14 and it's 20 and it's 26. And then the game is just out of reach. And so um, I think for Terry, I think it needed to be said. I hope even more was said than that by the team amongst themselves. And I hope that guys are getting the message uh, before it's too late. Yeah, and Miles even kind of alluded to it afterwards that they played like individuals and not as a team early on. Yes. And then they started to gel at the end of it and how they can't do that. Yeah, a couple of interesting comments, more so than usual from the players. I, I don't want to run around going crazy dramatic, but – Interesting, yeah. interesting comments from the players. Um, you're a really busy man. You're always a busy man, but you're flying tomorrow to Brooklyn to go to the yes. ACC tournament. I want to talk yes. about that just a little bit. I imagine we've got some college basketball fans listening. How excited yeah. are you to go to the ACC tournament? And wait, are you are you more excited to go to Brooklyn rather than Greensboro? Or are you one that likes it to be traditional and stay here in North Carolina? Uh, all right, so to answer that last question, man, I am an, an ACC kid. I grew up uh -huh. in school here teaching, putting it on at the end of the day for you, so you can check it out, all that good stuff, man. So I am a traditional Greensboro guy. I will say that. To me, the ACC belongs in North Carolina. I'll take Greensboro or Charlotte. Same. I'll do either one, yeah. Yeah, but Brooklyn is cool for the travel aspect, me getting to get out of town, go to a city I've never been to, hung out in like that, go to an arena like the Barclays Center. So I'll enjoy it for that aspect. But just as far as just the kid in me, the ACC nostalgia, I love uh, Charlotte and Greensboro for the tournament. So many great uh, moments there. Um, what was the first thing you, you just are you yeah how excited what are some things you're looking forward to? Oh man, I'm super excited because for one, when I tell you the journey I have been on to get to the AC tournament. So let me tell you. So when I became the host of the ACC Digital Network, the one year, man, not to throw anybody under the bus, but the one year they left your boy back in Charlotte to cut highlights and hire somebody else to do the job I was supposed to be doing the last time they were in Brooklyn, actually. So I was pretty, I was pretty uh, annoyed by that. Sure. Then uh, when I finally do get to go, because like I said, I, I've been through it all. I've, I've done the highlights, had those those crazy nights where I'm cutting eight, nine videos off of one tournament game, just grinding <laughs> the blue-collar yeah. work. That's stuff people don't see. So then once I finally get there, 
in doing my work, man, I get two good days of work. I'm interviewing people post game, doing my thing. Pandemic hit, man. That's yeah. a day I will never ever forget, man. And and it was just crazy. And I said, man, I can't win for losing at the ACC tournament, man. I said, every time something comes up, I can't complete it. So that's the main thing I'm excited about. Even though I'm gonna miss two days of action because of the Hornets. Um, but I'm so glad to be able to get up there. And plus, when I get there, look, it's like Barkley them say, all the bad teams are gone. By the yeah. time I get I was there, about to say, like, you get the meat of the good teams. Yeah, the all the bad it. teams are gone. Now, and, and, <laughs> and that was the reverse because the, the last tournament before the pandemic hit that we attended, I got, you know, the, the Tuesday, Wednesday games, and then mm-hmm. Thursday, everything got canceled when the big dogs were coming. So now I'm coming and the big dogs be playing. So, man, I'm super excited. My way for his Demon Deacons look to be a contender at 2.30 today. I'm a little nervous because the NCC <laughs> tournament, we don't normally fare well in it. I said, man, if they lose before I get there, I'm going to be hot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited, man, because you look at – how the league has looked this year. Carolina coming on, putting on a performance they did, beating Duke in that last game. We'll see if they carry that momentum, man. We'll see if Duke can bounce back from that disappointment and get back to playing like a top five team. The Miami Hurricanes are a dangerous team and Notre Dame as well. So the top five teams in the league are pretty good. Then you also have Virginia Tech, who's been white hot the last couple of months as well. So it's going to be an interesting tournament, man, to see who ends up in that final four because it could be a mixture of anything. From what we've seen the last couple of weeks, man, teams could be getting picked off and it could be, you know, completely different final four. But mainly for my Deeks, you know, I'm hoping we get up in that final right. four. For sure. I'm pulling for Steve Forbes, too. Shout out to him. Coach, coach of the of year. year. Really, mm-hmm. really cool. Player of the year, Londis Williams. Awesome player. Lots and lots of pressure on a few of these ACC teams. Like, a lot oh, of them yeah. are kind of maybe not right on the bubble, but, like, you look at their net ranking, you look at their, yeah. you know, quad one wins, like, some pressure. So, some much-needed mm-hmm. wins for some of those programs. All right. I know, again, you're a busy guy. One more question before we get you out of here. You were at an event where it was star-studded, and yeah. this is... This is one of my favorite Wes Bryants is when you are at a place where the celebrities are popping because yeah. you will get pictures with those guys. Oh, yeah. You will put out some fantastic celebrities that you maybe forget about. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's yeah. Wes cheesing right next to him. So <laughs> let me ask you, what was one of the more impressive celebrities you saw at this uh, most recent event at Stake 48? I mean, I pull up to the event, man. I'm seeing just, you know. I don't know if somebody was sponsoring or what, but I'm seeing <laughs> Bentleys that are just glistening as if they had just <laughs> finished being washed and all this mm. stuff, man. So I'm like, man. So, you know, I go in there and, and I meet the, the, the GM from Valley Source because we are his guests. And so mm. I'm just talking to him. And so Dale Curry had kind of said a couple of days prior that Bruce Smith was coming because oh, they were boys one. from Virginia Tech. So when he said Bruce Smith, I said, oh, I said, it's going to be that kind of. I was like, okay, all right. So uh, so I'm talking to him, and then Alonzo Mourning is, like, peeking his head around the corner. <laughs> and I'm saying, and then he comes in the room. I'm talking to him. Listen, I told people, Adrian Peterson's handshake is the stuff of legend, but I said it can't be more than Alonzo Mourning. You all right? How's your hand? Is it okay? If you don't come correct with Zoe, your hand might get crushed. 
Okay. That make that seems like such a Zoe move, man. Like man, I, I'm not I surprised mean, at all. And I feel like the worst part is he's not even trying to do it. It's just naturally him just. <laughs> and I mean, just his sheer size. And you know, Alonzo's the older cat now, man. But just his sheer size. And then when he gave me that handshake, I said I can only imagine how strong he must be and how strong he was in his prime. And just thinking about him as Shaq battling, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And I'm like, what? So. That was dope talking to Alonzo. And then it was funny how he was introducing himself to people, which was the good thing to do. But I'm like, he's like, hey, how you doing, Alonzo Mourn? And I'm like. Always weird. Always weird. Because, I mean, and and you, it's just like the kind of normal blueprint that humans undergo when introducing yeah. yourself. But at the same time, we know who you are. You exactly. Know? I know easily. you are, man. So, Pretty uh, easily. So, so, yeah, Zoe, then Bruce Smith comes walking in the room. So I asked Bruce Smith for the pass set, man. I said, Bruce, let me get a pass set on you. What you think? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Did you really? Uh, I'm like, yeah, I said, Bruce. I told Bruce. I said, Bruce, let me get a pass set. I said, I said, I told somebody I'd have to trash talk you enough. You might give me a pass set, man, so I can see how how I, how I stack up. So, so did he beat cool, you? Did, you? did you hand fight a little bit? No, no, no. He didn't get a hand fight. You know, man, okay. a cat that's got 200 sacks. He's laughing <laughs> off a challenge like that, yeah, man. Yeah, he beat the I best. Mean, probably. I don't want to yeah, say so it. Yeah, so I got cool, respect man. for just, it. But. Yeah, I'm just sitting there standing in between these two while they're talking to each other. And I'm like, yo, I'm legit, like, standing here between Bruce Smith and Lonzo Moore and I'm, like, talking. You know what I'm saying? Like, and That's then, a good uh, random duo. That's a good random duo. What? And then, yeah. uh, you know, Fred gets up and he makes an announcement and explains what everything is and stuff like that. And then he Fred Whitfield, right? Yeah. So yes, Fred, Fred Whitfield. Whitfield he gets Hornets. up there and announces all stuff. Excellent it's a great guy. organization, great cause that they're doing. And he announces the people that this. So when he said my boy Mac Brown was in the building, I had to go holler at Mac. Sure. And then he said Roy was in the building, I had to go holler at Roy. And then Bubba Wallace, I want to holler at him. Marty Smith was in there too. I was going to go say something to him, but I didn't get a chance to. Uh, Muggs he was in there. Him and Dale were in there yucking it up together. So, uh, man, it, it was it was. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun. But man, let me tell you, okay, I don't. I've, I've you know, I've gotten to a point where. Every now and again, I can go eat at a little, you know, steakhouse. It might cost a little change. Every That's now right. and again, okay. Yeah. For some people, they eat at these places like weekly, okay. <laughs> but a lot of times, I come away underwhelmed. I'm a very blue collar guy, especially when it comes to food. You know what I'm saying? I go eat at these places, and a lot of times, I'm like, man, I could get this is good a meal at Outback for a fraction of this. You know what Outback's I'm saying? Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Outback's great. You want sixty dollars <laughs> and eat like a king, and it's good food. And then you go to some of these other places and you're like, okay, you charging me $200. I'm like, this meal was good, but it's like, it didn't blow me away. But I say all that to say, man, Steak 48, in my opinion, is the best of the higher. I've been, uh, well, I don't want to name drop the places because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, look, but, we might try to make money off of them at some point. So That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, but Steak 48, Steak 48 was unbelievable. And that cream corn they had, they, I think they call it creme brulee cream corn they had. That atmosphere, Steak 48 is great. Like, the, it's a really, That's really crazy place. I've been there once. I went there for a Greg Olson event, and that was cool to go because he was raising money for the heart. Yeah, man, it, it was really was good, cool. man. That dessert we had, the steak, I mean, man. So it was yeah. it was a lot of fun, man. So it was just crazy, man. I was just really humbled by it all. Just to think that this time last year, you know, I was, you know, Something like that wasn't even on my agenda. So it was just really cool being up in there with those people, man. And then people coming up to me and telling me, you know, they like what I do. 
Absolutely. And, you know, they 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 a fan of what I do. You know, that was even cooler, too, man. So it's just real humbling, man. It was a great time. Steak 48 was great. Fred Whitfield, all them, man, they were great, man. Well, we yeah, we appreciate what you do right here on the Locked on Hornets that, podcast. Yep. Follow him on Twitter, at Westcott Reigns. Dude is putting out a ton of stuff. Not only is he providing coverage on the Charlotte Hornets, but he's about to go up to Brooklyn and cover the yeah, ACC Yeah, you know the tournament. Brooklyn shots are coming, the videos. For sure. I'm going to be posting all that ACC DN yeah. content, man, for uh, sure. Yeah, Westcott Reigns. Go follow him anywhere you yeah. can. Uh, anywhere that you subscribe to on social media. Wes, thanks so much, man. Have a safe flight up. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. Boom. Hey, look for me. Absolutely. We'll see you. All right. That'll do it for the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Appreciate you hopping on with us once again. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Lockdown NBA. Lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your pods. Thanks again for hopping on. We'll be back with you tomorrow.